Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Trey Colbeck and Adam Stewart, and tonight we'll be recapping the 2022 CFL Draft, which took place last night. Lots of stuff to talk about from that. We'll get into a few other topics from around the CFL at here tonight at the end as well. Before I bring in the rest of the panel to do so, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's bring in the rest of the panel. First up, we've got Adam Stewart here. Adam, how are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing pretty well, let's face it. It's now getting to that weather outside where it's plus 20 out. It's getting into football season, and hey, exciting times ahead. Yeah, yeah I wanted to say it's uh, it's getting to football weather, but really all weather is football weather. We see everything, uh, six-hour rain delays, uh, snow during the Grey Cup. Uh, you get it all with the CFL. Uh, and with us here tonight as well is the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And yeah, we're getting at that time of the year where sports is at a premium. We got, you know, NBA, NHL playoffs. We were just talking Kentucky Derby, UFC, and football's right around the corner. So pretty excited. Yes, uh, the most wonderful time of the year. They, they try to tell us it's in December, but maybe it's actually right now. Uh, the CFL draft took place last night, uh, televised on TSN, the first two rounds of the draft. The other rounds uh, televised online as well. The, the global draft took place earlier in the day as well. We're going to break it all down here tonight. I enjoyed the coverage uh, that that TSN had of it. I thought, you know, I got to say straight off the bat, uh, shout out to, you know, Farhan Lology, Dwayne Ford, Marshall Ferguson, uh, Davis Sanchez, and the rest of the crew for such great insight. You know, we did our draft preview here on the podcast last week. And I open it up by saying we are not going in-depth on analysis on any individual player. And if you want that, there, there's other people out there. And we saw that on display, that that great insight into there. But I have a lot of takeaways. I don't know about you guys, uh, but uh, overall reactions on uh, what you saw from the CFL draft uh, last night. Let's start with you, Adam. Well, you know, I enjoyed the draft uh, the first two rounds again, like you just said. The, the crew that TSN has coming in to uh, analyze and give their thoughts on these players is just absolutely bar none, some of the best coverage uh, that you can find, honestly. Uh, they do a great job of displaying uh, and highlighting these first two rounds of players. That being said, I'm still going to criticize TSN a slight little bit because I did it last night on Twitter. Hey, if you're going to go and do the first two rounds, and then skip back over to T uh, Sports Center or a uh, uh, timber uh, competition. Really, I mean T CFL is your bread and butter. It's your your league essentially, and you're exclusive to covering that league. Surely you could have put the other uh, five or six rounds up on TSN three, just so that everybody can watch it, no matter what. Yes, you maybe you didn't have to have Randy Ambrosi standing up front. Uh, talking the whole time or announcing the names, you could have did like exactly what you did uh, on CF or on TSN.ca. Just you know, just a thought in the future. If you want to build it up, that's a good way of doing it. 
Uh, overall, though, I like the draft. I mean, it's very similar to what it's been for the last few years uh, and good insight into it. What do you think, Trey? Well, yeah, I agree. TSN did a pretty good job. Uh, crazy. I, we were really wrong on our picks, though, I think. <laughs> it seemed like, it seemed like uh, they had the O-line down and then the teams all picked the O-line early. Uh, it, but, yeah, very great insight. Farhan, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Farhan fan. Anytime he's up there, you know you're getting good information about uh, any kind of football. So pretty excited to see these young guys and how many of them can uh, make it this year and years going forward. Yeah, we knew it was going to be a wild day with the draft uh, when I think it started maybe the day before or early the day of where the trades started flying. And we had uh, Edmonton and Hamilton making a trade the day before where Edmonton picked up a second first round pick. Uh, and uh, sent uh, offensive lineman Kyle Saxlin, uh and linebacker Grant McDonald and some more changing of picks uh, in that trade there. So Edmonton clearly gearing up to do something special there in round one. And then uh, Montreal steps up on, uh, on draft day and decides, no, nah, this is going to be our day. And they make a trade with the Bombers to go and get the Bombers first round pick. Uh, there and uh, then end up making a trade with the Elks uh, to get the first overall pick in the draft. Now, I know we talked about on last week's show, we debated, you know, if you're Edmonton, do you make that trade? Do you not? Uh, what do you guys think uh, of of Edmonton trading that first overall pick when it was a clear consensus, number one, Tyrell Richards, linebacker, goes to the Alouettes. We expect him to go number one overall. Uh, we figured he was a Chris Jones type of guy, but the Alps end up trading that first overall pick. Uh, did that surprise you, Trey? Not really, because from the from the reactions I got from the panel on TSN, the guy that they picked at four is also seems to be a Chris Jones guy. So I think that they knew that they could uh, pick up an extra pick and also get the guy they probably maybe even wanted more at four. It's a good deal to me. Yeah, no, I, I think it was a pretty good deal for Edmonton to trade it off. Uh, they did get a chance at a at a blue-chip uh, offensive lineman uh, that's currently uh, with the Indianapolis Colts of the NFL uh, out of it. And really, I mean, if they get him coming back, that offensive line looks pretty good in Edmonton. Uh, I was a little questionable more on the uh, Hamilton-Edmonton trade just because Hamilton... I think was the winner of that trade. Again, you don't know what the draft pick's going to give you, but I really like that idea of Hamilton bringing in that Sox lead in and having a guy behind Van Zyl uh, for a possible eventually taking over as a starter. So I, I really like that. I, I like that trade for Hamilton, not sure really for Edmonton, but I, yeah, I like the first, uh, first overall trade uh, to Montreal. Well, you have to wonder if it was uh, like, it seems like, you know, a pretty solid offensive lineman that the Elks give up there. But you have to look at who they brought in in the offseason, too. They brought back Tony Washington, former Elk, uh, brought him in on, on the offensive line. They brought in David Foucault, who I think played, uh, I, I forget who he was with last, Montreal or BC. Uh, and then they brought in Mark Corte, who I believe they made the highest paid offensive lineman in the CFL. So, you know, they, they already improved that position a lot. Maybe they felt they had some extra depth there and they could make the trade. And, uh, you know, in particular, that trade with Montreal, between Montreal and Edmonton, I dare say that might have been a win-win trade for both sides. Because like you guys said, you know, a pretty good 
uh, and, you know, Edmonton trades down a little bit and still gets a, a pretty high quality pick at number four there. Uh, and it worked out great for Montreal, uh, taking the first overall guy off the board. So as we get into talking about the results of the draft here, I don't know what, what, what direction should we go here? I guess let's start off with who do you guys each was, who was the winner of the draft for you this season? Adam, let's start with you. To me, I think it's going to be the BC Lions. They needed to get some help on offensive line. And man, did they go out and get some help on the offensive line. You take a look at some of their picks. Uh, Noah Zur, uh, just a big guy from Saskatchewan, which again, later on, I'm sure we're going to be talking about Noah Zur. Uh, great help. Probably will be there. Maybe maybe not quite for the start of training camp now because he did get that opportunity to... Uh, to go to New York for a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets into BC training camp immediately. However, I think that was a big pickup for them as well. They also picked up two more Saskatchewan Huskies that are just big pieces uh, to a uh, good team. Nathan Cherry went first round, third overall for the BC Lions. And uh, Josh Archibald from McGill and Riley Pickett, another defensive lineman. Uh, really, really picked up a lot of defensive line parts in a few years. That's going to be a very interesting old line filled with a lot of Canadians from the BC Lions. Trey, what do you think on the Lions draft? Uh, you know, I liked it. Um, I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, they definitely uh, got their D-line and improved their D-line a big chunk and got the O-line improved as well. But I'm not going to call them my winner. I'm going to go to the Montreal Alouettes. You get the first overall draft pick. You pick, you know, the number one, and you still walk away with a fill pot as well. Like, you know, that's a, and I know this is a CFL draft. These guys could be bust, but I think the more higher round picks you get, the more certainty you have with them. And I think they got two guys who very well could, you know, I think fill pot could definitely start this year. And I think they, looking at their roster, I think they filled in the spots they needed. Yeah, for me, BC, it started out, you know, third third overall pick for BC. I think last week on the show we we mentioned, uh, I had I said, you know, they got to focus on the offensive line in the draft. It felt like they didn't do much of that in free agency. I was shocked to see Nathan Cherry go uh, at third overall defensive lineman to the Lions because they just spent so much on in free agency on overhauling that with a bunch of new guys they brought in there. Uh, so at first I was like, okay, is that maybe a reach with the first round pick? But then having Noah Zer fall to their lap when everybody expected him to go to Saskatchewan at seventh overall, getting to pick him at, at 12th there. Okay, there's the offensive line help we needed. I'm I'm back. I'm back in on, on the Lions here. Uh, there they they proceed to you know focus a lot on the defense throughout the draft, and then they make some uh, some late picks there. An interesting one, John Mechie, uh, at wide receiver in the seventh round. I, I believe a guy who's got some, is you know NFL hopeful here. It's one of those picks, you know, late round in the draft. Are you really missing much if it doesn't work out in the seventh round? And if it does work, uh, it's working out uh, well for you there. So uh, overall, you know, started skeptical, but I, I, I agree with you, Adam. I do like uh, some of the picks BC made, especially – uh, Noah Zur there in the second round. And uh, Trey, you took my, my number one team there as well, the, the Alouettes. Going back to our, our reactions after free agency, and I think, you know, a couple of weeks ago on the show, we were talking about uh, the over-under on wins on the season, and, and you guys were higher on the Alouettes. I was a little lower on them based on what they did in free agency. 
they absolutely crushed the draft. I was blown away by what they did in round one. You take the best player available in Tyrell Richards at first overall, and then I really expected and wanted them to fill a wide receiver slot uh, in the draft. I thought that was a position of need. And to go get one of the top ones everybody's talking about at the end of round one, yet with that second pick in Tyson Philpott, like, to me, that was already the icing on the cake. Then you get to round two, and it's like, okay, they've, got, they've locked in two great picks. Like, no matter what happens here, I, I'm high on the Alouettes draft. Then they go and grab one of the top offensive linemen available in the draft in Rhodey and Brown in, in round three. Those first three picks there crushed it for the Alouettes. I loved what I saw from them. Uh, Adam, what do you think on Montreal? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Tyrell Richards is just a big, big pick uh, for them. Uh, gives them an extra little bit of help in that linebacking core. Uh, you look at, uh, again, some of their other picks there for that. Filippo, uh, they get that uh, receiver that they really need out there. Uh, another guy, again, Redeem Brown. Yes, he said that he's probably going to go back to Alberta this year. But, hey, he's going to be a big factor eventually in the CFL, I believe and probably will be a pretty good pickup for the Alouettes here in the years to come. And, of course, hey, how can I not like the Montreal Alouettes? They pick up the Yorkton, Saskatchewan native Peter Kajuba. Uh, good on them. Again, big Sasky boy. Kind of like it. Right on. Um, one of the teams, you know, we talked a little bit about them, so I think this makes sense to go here next, uh, is the Edmonton Elks. I'm interested on how we see that uh that first uh their draft uh we talked about you know they they traded uh for the fourth and eighth overall pick they got enoch mcconzo defensive back at fourth overall no surprise to anybody right that chris jones goes defense in round one with his first pick like like that's the chris jones way he's going to build this team around the defense um but the most interesting pick for them is uh, eighth overall quarterback Trey Ford, I believe the first Canadian quarterback to go in round one since I think they said the 80s or the 90s, uh, something like that. Uh, Nathan Rourke probably, you know, was the closest in recent years going 15th in the second round. Uh, what do we make of the, the the Elks going for a quarterback Trey Ford here in uh, in the, uh, the first round? Uh, fittingly, Trey, I think we should uh, start with you. You know, I thought it was very interesting. I thought if the one team to pick him higher would have been Edmonton. Yes, they have a bunch of quarterbacks already on their roster, but most of them probably won't see training camp. And like a tweet I said is, what would make this guy interesting is you put him at a running back or something like that. And then now with the new rule with two quarterbacks out there, essentially you could have three guys out there who all could throw the ball, who are all like, you know, on some trick wildcat play. And even still, on a normal play, you could have Trey Ford and with whoever their starter ends up being. Or he could still be the starter, and you have a very athletic guy out there as well. So I think the Edmonton did pretty good as well. They'd probably be my close to second, third like winners of the draft. I really like that they picked up Manitoba and Gavin Cobb down there. Uh, University of Manitoba, Gavin Cobb, though. I really wanted the Bombers to pick him up. And again, they look like they went. They look like one of the teams who really mixed it up the most. Some teams went heavy D, heavy O. I feel like they split it down the middle, and I really like what they did. You know, I looked at this draft and I said, uh, when the Edmonton Elks started picking players, this is going to be a traditional Chris Jones draft. He loves his athletes. He always does, and Ford just fits so perfectly into Chris Jones's system 
it's it's actually mind blowing. I mean, I I predict him right now that he has an opportunity probably, and he's going to get every opportunity to possibly even start maybe even this season. And uh, it sounds crazy, but I I really think that Chris Jones is high high on Ford. Uh, yeah, they had a good draft overall. The uh, Edmonton Elks. Uh, I'm just taking a look here real quick. Like you said before, Gavin Cobb, that was a big one for them from the University of Manitoba. Uh, they do have quite a few wide receivers, but you know what? He'll go in, he'll compete. Uh, and then uh, McConzo, right off the bat, the defensive back. Uh, Chris Jones just loves having a lot of defensive backs. Be interesting to see that battle against him and Deron Carter, maybe. Yeah, I, I, Trey Ford to Edmonton feels like the perfect fit, but also a weird fit at the same time. And it's because they have so many quarterbacks in, in coming into camp. Like we made we make the joke all the time. Oh, another quarterback for for the Edmonton Elks here. And uh, so you know, on one hand, that shows there is going to be competition in camp. It is going to be up in the air. I think who the starter is going to be for. Edmonton this season it could be uh, you know Nick Arbuckle's under contract was brought in seemingly to be the starter but now it's kind of looking like is Arbuckle really going to be the guy when they keep bringing in quarterback after quarterback there I think Trey Ford will have just as much of a chance in training camp as anybody else to show what he's capable of but part of me kind of wonders with so many quarterbacks in training camp will he actually get enough looks out there on the field uh, to make a name for himself. You know, it could potentially be the case where so many guys in camp, each one's getting a couple reps. You better make sure you do a good job with those reps you get because you're not going to get a ton. Uh, what do you think on that, Trey? Wow, what, they got seven, eight guys on their roster? There's no way they're all making them to camp. Like, someone's got to go eventually here. There's someone that must be due a a bonus or something that's going to get cut any day now. So I, I see what you're coming from. Yeah. If they actually take five, six guys, they might try them out more as a receiver or running back might be more room for them there. But I think uh, after they uh, cut some of this fat off the stake here, I think he'll get a good shot under center. Yeah. I, and I would love to see him do so as well. And uh, I, I truly feel like, I, I hate to see it happen because this guy seemed like a guy with so much promise, but it keeps happening to him. I see Nick Arbuckle as potentially being the odd man out here. He's definitely the one coming in with the biggest contract. I know they restructured it, but uh, you've got so many guys here competing in camp. You're openly saying it's going to be a competition between all of them. That really doesn't instill much confidence in the guy who was traded to the Elks, didn't even get in for a game last season when he was here, asked to restructure his contract, and now you keep bringing in more quarterbacks. Like, uh, seems like a, a tough sell here for for Nick Arbuckle, doesn't it, Adam? Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. I don't see a really a spot right now in Edmonton unless he really balls out uh, uh, for Nick Arbuckle. I mean, biggest contract, like you said before, he just doesn't seem to be a fit right now. Chris Jones doesn't seem to really... I mean, let's face it, he's never said that he's not a, a Nick Arbuckle fan or anything like that. But you could just kind of have that sense that Chris Jones will bring the players that he wants in and he don't care about contracts from before. He doesn't care about loyalty on average. Let's face it, how Saskatchewan fans about that with John Chick and Weston Dressler. He is a guy that does things his way and his way alone. He knows what he wants to do. 
I don't know if you guys seen that little video from uh, Twitter, I believe it was, that the Edmonton Elks posted uh, with Chris Jones saying, hey, I didn't answer after three rings. I'm not calling him back. He's done. I'm done with him. I don't know who he was talking about in that little video, but that was kind of neat. Like that, That's Chris Jones in a nutshell. And unfortunately, it's Buckle, probably the odd man out right now in Edmonton. That being said, Nick Arbuckle still can get into a CFL jersey, I think, pretty easily this year, especially with some teams that maybe don't have that depth in quarterback right now. So, And, and let's be real, he could very well be the starter come day one in Edmonton as well, right? He could come in and camp and, uh, and compete and take the job. Uh, but certainly uh, interesting situation to see develop, and we'll see uh, if Canadian Trey Ford can, can make a name for himself. I, I feel like he's got a good shot to at least make the roster because why are you using a, a, your your eighth overall pick on the guy, right, if you have plan, kind of already know who your other quarterbacks are going to be here? Uh, might, maybe a practice roster guy that develops a little bit, uh, but we'll see where he goes there. Another team that was very busy in the early rounds of the draft was the Toronto Argonauts. They had three picks in the first 15. Uh, round one, six overall. They step up. They go to offensive line to Gregor McKellar. Uh, then uh, start of the second round, Deontay Knight, defensive line, a, a guy many expected to go early in the round. I think a couple mock drafts, he was projected to go second overall there. Falls into the lap of the Argos at 10th. Uh, and then uh, at 15th overall, running back Daniel Adababa, uh, I hope I pronounced that uh, right, um, going that direction. I liked what I saw here from the Argos. I didn't think they were a team with a whole lot of glaring holes to focus on. You focus on the trenches a little bit on the offense, a little bit on the defense, and then you get a, a potential future Canadian running back there with the 15th overall pick. Uh, what did you guys think of what the Argos did here uh, starting with you, Trey? Yeah, I don't mind it as well. Uh, like you said, they they got their whole line to start with it. And I think Deontay Knight, I think, too, his NFL interest might have bumped him down the list a little bit. So I think they got a real good pickup there if he ever – when and if he joins their camp. I believe I just saw he's got invited to, yeah, Tampa Bay and Washington. So we'll see what they'll do. And, yeah, they, we've seen in Winnipeg, you know, the importance of having a Canadian running back. So anytime you see those guys go now in the draft, you kind of think – this could be the the ratio breaker going forward on an offense. I agree. I think that the uh, the Argonauts really uh, with Deontay Knight there and with a few other picks that they made, they they weren't probably one of those teams that you probably could they probably were able to take some guys for the future instead of just taking some guys for the uh, for the current. And it kind of showed a little bit in this draft. I think that the Argonauts are better for what they picked, but again wait to see what happens here in a couple of years. Let's face it. Uh, there's been some draft busts before uh, guys that have moved on. And like I said, I don't know about the Argos. What, what exactly is the, there's a story there. So I, I like that. The, they, they took the first running back off the board. They just brought in Andrew Harris uh, as the big name Canadian running back. Kind of like, you know, bringing in a potential guy to be a successor down the road there uh adam you're your big riders guy of course uh what do you make of your 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 hometown team doing here in the draft uh first round sam samuel emelis uh wide receiver many expect them to go noah zur offensive lineman but they go for the wide receiver here uh second round zach fry on the offensive line so they do pick up an o-line in there uh what do you think of uh what the riders all about that here you know 
I actually, if there was, uh, we didn't go into which our draft day failures were. And I hate to do it to my hometown team, but I really did not like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders draft. Uh, the first round, you really have had problems keeping Cody Fajardo upright and having a new r- running back for blocking. I just, and the other thing also is the rumor of Matlin Riley possibly not coming to the, to the Rough Riders and possibly retiring. Y- you needed an O line, plain and simple. And I believe an old lineman was what the rider should have went with. Noah Zer was available, and yet they went for the flash pick with the wide receiver. Uh, that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Emulus has an opportunity in the NFL right now. So it could maybe be a guy that isn't even showing up to camp right now. Yes, he's talented. I'll give him that. He's a great wide receiver. And if he does show up in Saskatchewan, there's going to be a lot of people very happy. However, I still think that the Rough Riders really failed uh, their team a little bit by not picking offensive linemen that are probably CFL ready. Zach Fry, they needs a little bit more size. They say his techniques is good, and he probably will be a future pick that'll be very good. But right now, not so much. They is what I've is what I've heard about him. Uh, and then same thing also the last pick of the draft eighth round, Riley Borsma. Uh, a U of R Ram guy. I like that one. And there was a couple others that are all right. But again, I'll say that the riders probably don't get a passing grade for me in this draft. All right, Adam, I know you got to run here suddenly. So, uh, so we'll let, we'll let you go uh, for, uh, for the rest of the episode, but uh, quickly before we let you go, uh, where can people find you on social media to uh, get the rest of your draft dates? Yeah, for sure. You can get me at Adam Stewart one. Uh, again, if you like talking riders, if you like talking hockey, anything else, or again, if you just want to go and remind me of how crazy I am as a Rough Rider fan and you're a Bomber fan, don't worry. I've got enough of you guys all marked out already. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, see you there. Uh, by all means, come and see me over on Twitter. All right, as we uh, as we say goodbye to Adam for now, uh, unfortunately he did have to urgently run there, uh, but he'll be back next week on the podcast. But Trey and I are here to continue breaking down the rest of the draft. We just got Adam's takes on the riders. Uh, Trey, what do you make of uh, what the, the green and white did here in this draft? Well, now that Adam's gone, I guess we could just talk trash about the riders <laughs> in the next half an hour. But, you know... I, I agree. I agree. They they didn't really go for what I thought their needs were. And uh, like Adam said, I did did a quick check. Uh, Emulus is going to the Arizona Cardinals training camp, so he probably won't be available for a while. And then they missed opportunity in their old line. I felt like that's one of their biggest weaknesses is keeping Fajardo and giving him time. Great. They got him another weapon potentially if and when he comes up, but I don't think they're giving them enough much time. And, you know, with guys who might and might not come back on that old line. Uh, yeah, I think they could have did more there. But later around, later in the rounds, I think that they, you know, picked up those solid uh, defensive positions that every CFL team needs. Yeah, I think defense, I think offensive line and defensive back are what a lot of people would say are the two biggest uh, positions of need for the riders. And I mean, they did take Zach Fry in round two. They did take three defensive backs between rounds five and seven, but those are late round picks. You know, sometimes they work out in CFL, sometimes they don't. Um, Round one going wide receiver there was interesting. I didn't see that coming from the riders. 
But it kind of makes sense if you look at the makeup of their team last season. A very young group of wide receivers there. Keon Schaefer-Baker, Braden Lenius, both huge contributors. Lenius is off to uh, Atlanta, I believe it is, in the NFL uh, to play there. So maybe they get another guy to come in and, and bring in there. They've got a couple other good Canadian receivers in the wing. It seems that's uh, something the Riders really focus on in the draft. And uh, MLS now has the uh, the opportunity to be the uh, the next uh, next man up there. Um, switching over to the other side of the prairies, uh, where we're both from, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. A very interesting draft in that uh, they didn't have a ton of picks. They traded away their first round pick. They uh, they traded away their third round pick. Uh, so six picks in the draft, five defensive players, and then a fullback for the Bombers. Uh, most notable pick being uh, Tyrell Ford at defensive back in round two at 13th overall. Um, what what are you thinking here from Winnipeg? Did you like what you saw uh, or not? You know, at first I was very meh. I'll give that an honest answer because we have so many Canadians on offense. I was thinking that you would need backups for them. But then the deeper and deeper I thought, I was like, well, maybe that's the point. The Canadians on offense are getting older. They're getting up there. So now they're trying to inject some uh, Canadianism into the defense. As well, I believe was a CBA talking point potentially having three Canadians on offense and defense. I believe that might have been a talking point. So this could be uh, Kyle Walters preparing for that. Again, there's not a lot of Canadians on that blue and gold defense. A lot of the Canadian uh, passports are on offense. So I think that is what uh, this is. Cole Adamson, I uh, heard great things about him on that D-line in the University of Manitoba. And, of course, Tyrell Ford, uh, twin to Trey Ford we were just talking about. That's crazy. Two twins in one draft. Um, you know, we're definitely going to get some more a- uh, athleticism on that uh, defensive side. I'll give them a I'll give them a solid B on this one. Again, I was just a little disappointed that they didn't have more offense other than the the fullback coming in the last round. Yeah, I was expecting them. Like I said last week, I wanted to see them go offensive line early in the draft for a team that you know is pretty solid always around. You've got some you've got some aging uh, you know veteran offensive linemen there who are still in the, you know playing great football, but for how much longer? I thought maybe you bring in another guy there, but they have drafted a lot of offensive linemen in the recent years in the draft. Uh, So, you know, second round, Tyrell Ford, best player available arguably at that point. Uh, You know, a lot of the talk uh, on on the TSM broadcast was, you know, the fastest, one of the most athletic players in the draft available. And I kind of like that. I like that pick and I kind of like the fit for him personally as well, because, Bombers just lost DeAndre Alford to the NFL. Brandon Alexander is also going to be injured for probably half the season still. This is a guy who can bounce around the defensive backfield here a little bit, slot in a couple different places. And I think we'll have the chance in training camp to earn himself a starting spot. And we've seen the past couple of seasons, a couple of those defensive backs come in in training camp for Winnipeg. And you don't know their names necessarily before they hit the field, but by the end of the season, they do. And it's uh, part of that is just playing with some of those other guys on the defense, like, you know, Brandon Alexander and Adam Big Hill. You know, you've got that defensive line that creates so much havoc. It can help the rest of the defense make some plays there. So I think Ford's going to come in and have the ability to uh, to perform pretty quickly here in training camp. 
and perhaps make a name for himself on an already stellar defense. So I was much the same as you, disappointed at first. Would have really liked to see them fill it more on the offensive line. Um, but, you know, had a bit of a conversation on Twitter today with our friend Joe Pritchard from the Rouge White and Blue podcast, and he, and he had said, he made a great point, you know, it's nice to be in a position where you don't really need to worry about filling a position in the draft, right? You can take the best player available and uh, that seems like what the Bombers did consistently here throughout. Taking a look at some of the other teams uh, around the, the league here uh, as well, uh, let's go over to the Ottawa Red Blacks next. And uh, this one to me is one that if I had to, I don't know if I, maybe if I picked a loser in the draft, so to say, Ottawa is one of the teams I'm less high on because they went offensive line at second overall when they took Zach Pelos. Okay, I actually didn't mind that one all that much. They overhauled the entire team this offseason. What's the tried and true pick in the CFL draft? It's an offensive lineman, uh, a solid Canadian there. So I, I don't mind that pick necessarily there. Then they take another offensive lineman in round two with uh, Cyril Hogan Saint-Don, which... To me, that didn't feel like the position necessarily needing focus. They brought in a lot of good offensive linemen through free agency this year. I guess maybe they, you know, you focus on it now, you focus it on the future. Sean Burke really wants to build his team around that. Uh, but I thought maybe, you know, there were some other positions Ottawa could have focused on early in this draft as well. Uh, what, what do you make of what the Red Blacks uh, did last night? Yeah, I think. From my understanding and seeing reactions on Twitter, I feel like they went with the hometown pick at first when they didn't need to. Maybe they should have went with a different offensive lineman. And then, like you said, they went back to the old line in the second round. I don't know. I think I'm very mixed feelings on it. I think they they spread it around. They're trying to get some kids. Like, you got to get Canadians everywhere. I definitely – I would call Hamilton my loser, but I would call Ottawa maybe the eighth team on uh, – on my standings when it comes to the draft. Well, they, and you know, I, I gripe on this picking the two offensive linemen and maybe having other holes, but uh, maybe that like part of me wonders if that's an unfair take from me on that in the sense that do we really know what the holes of the red blacks are right now when it's an entirely different team and we don't know how they're going to gel on the field. Right. Well, that's fair. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll use our star Wars uh, analogy. The death star needs to blow up. Right. So, and <laughs> try to rebuild it you got to start everywhere so yes of course uh happy star wars day uh may the fourth be with you i say that i you know full, full disclosure i've never seen any of the star wars movies we were talking about this beforehand i'm surprised adam and trace the one in the podcast with me today after telling them that <laughs> but uh you know it's one of those things uh i i missed the boat on, uh, on watching Star Wars. It's been so long. Now I just feel like it, it's a unique thing that I, I can't break it. Am I going to get enough value out of watching them now to, uh, sub, you know, outweigh the value of people's shocked reactions when I tell them I haven't watched Star Wars? Maybe maybe not. Some of their newer stuff, though, is like on Disney Plus is absolutely phenomenal. But mm. you don't understand it if you don't go back and watch from the beginning, right? So... Yeah, maybe just stay in your uh, room and not watch it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day, maybe yeah. one day I'll, I'll I'll get there. But uh, you mentioned uh, you mentioned ha uh, before we move on to Hamilton because you did mention them. Uh, one thing I will give Ottawa credit for here, 
the territorial pick at the end of the second round, both Edmonton and Ottawa got one. I, I think you looked it up after our show last week because we had noticed it. And I think yeah. if they get those, the bottom two teams in the standings can each pick a, a player from nearby. Is Was that the, uh, like, from yeah. their, lo- uh, basically a local kid at the end of the second round, they can if yeah. they want. Um, Ottawa takes linebacker Jesse Lucchetta here, who may never play in the CFL. He's a guy who's got an NFL look right now. I believe he's with the Arizona Cardinals. He was drafted by them, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, was recently drafted there. It's a territorial pick. It's a free pick. It's not one of your allotted picks in the draft. They got a free second round pick uh, where they could only pick local players. Like this is basically high, low risk, high reward, right? If, if it doesn't work out, okay. It was a free pick. If it does work out, beautiful, amazing, really works out well for the team. So I really liked that there from Ottawa. Uh, you mentioned Hamilton being your kind of loser of the draft. What was it about the tie cats that, uh, you didn't like? See, I guess my, not knowing enough about the guys they picked, what I saw is they were tied for the least amount of players picked in this draft with the blue bombers. And we were talking about the blue bombers kind of not really needing much, uh, so far, but I feel like Hamilton is on the decline and they've lost a fair bit of pieces. You know, they lost Mazzoli. They lost uh, Brandon Banks. They've lost key guys. And I know those are a lot of Americans, but they just seem to be losing more than they're gaining. So I was really hoping that Hamilton, if they wanted to push, would be a team that maybe traded a player to get an extra couple picks or two. Uh, just because I just feel like they're losing more guys than they're bringing in. But again, I'm sure these guys are all great. So I'm sure some of these guys will make their roster. And hopefully I want them to prove me wrong. But I just feel like this is the draft. Uh, I was the least excited about. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to make uh, sense of not, not. I don't know if sense is the right word here, but hard to have a strong take when they don't have their first pick until seventeenth overall. You know, right near the end of the second round. You know, a lot of these guys. Okay, we've got some good insight on, on the pro, guys potentially going in round one. It starts to fall off as you go along in the draft, right? So. Uh, I think it's hard to have a clear take from what we know now on how this works out for Hamilton. They go defensive line in the second round, Anthony Federico uh, there. I don't mind that move for them. Hamilton's had a very good defensive line for the past couple of years. They just lost a big piece in Ja'Garrett Davis going over to the Argos. You know, I don't mind uh, using a draft pick here to bring in another solid defensive lineman uh, potentially there as well. And, uh, yeah, their draft board looks thin here. You know, maybe the best addition they got out of this draft was their trade with Edmonton, where they did bring in uh, Kyle Saxwood on the offensive line. Uh, and uh, I think McDonald, uh, a linebacker, uh, Grant McDonald there. So two Canadians they got there uh, out of that as well that uh, you could technically add to their draft board here. But uh I'm much the same. Hamilton's one of those teams where uh, I don't have a strong take either way necessarily on what they did here in the draft until I, I see how these guys perform out on the field. No, I agree. Like, you know, Hamilton's one of those teams that I have a lot of respect for, but I'm just really thinking that they're come, like they're, I think their reign of terror in the East is slowly coming to an end with Toronto, Montreal, and even maybe Ottawa nipping at them. So I just wanted, I just was waiting for a little bit more from them this offseason. You know, they got a lot of key pieces. I just still think they, they're always going to seem to be one piece away. And, you know, you got to, 
but both of us being bomber fans, we know how it like is like to be in a drought. So I do feel for the the black and gold fans in Hamilton, but that's all. I just thought they'd be a little bit more splashy. Yeah, well, I think there's the general consensus that the uh, their their prime, so to say, is coming to an end. Right, that uh, they have a lot of veterans on that team. We've seen some of them go off in different directions here already, uh, and time is running out on the on, on this current uh, era of the Tie Cats, so to say. I've been impressed with how they've managed to keep together a good chunk of their team still. Uh, and, you know, they will do some tinkering and they have done some tinkering and they've got some good guys waiting in the wings. Uh, so I'm interested to see what Hamilton's going to look like out on the field because regular season last year, I would say was a bit shaky at times for a team. We uh, all had, uh, you know, or at least I did. I had the Ticats having a very good regular season. They turn it on late in the year and still managed to find their way to the Grey Cup, but uh, definitely looking to end the drought there in Hamilton uh, after back-to-back Grey Cup losses there for them. I believe the only team we haven't talked about here from the draft so far is the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, they're the first ones to take a Philpot brother uh, off the board with Jalen Philpot at uh, wide receiver at, at uh, fifth overall in the draft. They go to defensive back with Josiah Shackle in round two, uh, another defensive back in round three, a couple offensive line, a running back in round six, and then a couple defensive backs to end out the draft. So bit of everything here from Calgary. And, uh, well, it's only a matter of time till each of these guys ends up a superstar uh, one season in Calgary and then gets poached by Toronto the year after, right? Yeah, that's always how it goes. (laughs) That's always how it goes. Uh, What do you think of what Calgary did here? To me, another team that's hard to read because Calgary, you really don't know what to expect from them until you see them out on the field, right? Because they get so many diamonds in the rough. Uh, in training camp and the draft. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you know, real quick, I think that I got my first uh, prop bet of the season is going to be how many catches the Philpot brothers have week one combined. Because, you know, I, I think they got to... Again, you're right. It's hard to see. They, they I like to see when the team space it out. You know, the Bombers went too heavy one way and some teams go too heavy another way. But again, you got a receiver, some DB, some O-lines. You know, a running back in there. They spread it out. They know where they need improvement on the Canadian, uh, with Canadian talent. And yeah, I really, I really like the Philpot brothers and what I've heard about them. And I, you know, we were kind of joking last week about the Sedine twin situation. That would be one day, whatever. Uh, they're going to take their talents to South Beach, metaphorically, and go to some team together. And I can't wait for that. But I think they did all right. I think the thing that's going to kill Calgary is under center. And, you know, I really hope Bo Levi's got some good years left in him just for his sake. But I just, again, I, I'm I'm more on the skeptical side that at, that injury might be the, you know, slow, uh, slow, started slow walk to retirement. So great what they did. But I think uh, the brass in Calgary need to really start thinking about who the next quarterback there is going to be. Yeah, and I think this is going to be an interesting year, but Levi Mitchell's last year under contract, under his current contract, you got Jake Mayer, you managed to bring back for another year, promising young quarterback there, uh, waiting in the wings. So uh, it'll be inter- real interesting to see how this season goes. You know, Bo's going to be the starter. You know, he's going to try to come out, have a bounce back year this year, and, and we'll see how that plays out for them there. 
for Jalen Philpott, I, I like that pick at, at number five for Calgary. You know, they're one of those teams that, like, if you're a young Canadian, I said this on Twitter last night, if you're a young Canadian wide receiver, this is the dream to have Dave Dickinson as your coach, Bo Levi Mitchell as your quarterback. Like, Dickinson was an outstanding quarterback in his career. He's a fantastic offensive mind. Bo Levi Mitchell, one of the winningest quarterbacks in CFL history. Like, to be able to work in an offense together with those two, he's going to learn and he's going to grow quick. The thing that – and I think he's going to have an opportunity to potentially make a name for himself in the offense too. You know, Calgary likes to rotate a lot of guys – through there. So while I don't necessarily know if we'll see him be a big, you know, go-to starter in the offense game in and game out here in his first season here, he's going to get reps if he makes the team. Uh, we see the backups come in, Bo Levi throws to, you know, seven, eight different receivers uh, in each and every game. So he'll get some reps. I don't think he'll get a ton necessarily because no receiver really does in Calgary. So that maybe that hurts development there a little bit. But I like the fit here, and it, it reminds me a lot of the of Lamar Durant uh, with Calgary, uh, who you know did have his best seasons once he went over to BC, but uh, I believe did win a Grey Cup MVP uh, for his performance and made a notable impact. Uh, a Canadian wide receiver there, so I, I like that pick for Calgary. And then, uh, like you said, I like them kind of going uh, across the board at other positions here to to fill uh, some depth spots here as well. Yeah, well, like you were saying, could you imagine because uh, that you go get drafted and now you get Kari Jones, Antonio Calvillo, and Vernon Adams Jr. throwing to you and your brother still probably got a better situation than you. <laughs> like, you know, that's because the other, yeah, they both got drafted, I think, in very good circumstances. And I think, like I said, I really hope they both cracked that roster week one because that could definitely be one thing that the CFL needs for some ratings right there. So they play each other in week number one, too. Yeah. That's Point. Yeah, that's my point. That would be that's the that's the game to start putting on CTV or something, right? Like right there. Yeah, that that's wild how that works out. You know, to to face each other game one potentially of your CFL careers. Uh, I'm sure that will be a big talking point uh, when those two teams take the field. Um, you know, just summing up the draft here. Any other takes you have on, on what you saw here from the draft uh, last night? You know, if, not really. I just, uh, again, going to be a little biased. I'm happy to see the Bombers took some punters in the international draft. That You know, that's something they definitely need. Uh, but other than that, I think I think it is what it is. You're gonna, it, it, we're going to sit here and talk about winners and losers, but the, any draft you're going to have to wait three or four years. And I feel like the CFL Canadian draft is one you might even have to wait longer to really see the results. So, it was an exciting night, and we're getting so close to football season, man. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait to see these guys uh, get out there in training camp and, and all of that uh, and then hit the field once the season itself starts. Uh, to me, one of the interesting things was, and we talked about that shift a little bit last week as well, the shift from just you know offensive line heavy early drafts. It seemed like there, I think the first five, six picks were all different positions or, or number six. Uh, Toronto taking an offensive lineman was the second one in the draft. But, you know, we had some across-the-board picks here. We had some consensus picks, like the number one overall. Uh, we had some potentially off-the-board picks, as we've talked about here as well. So uh, it was a fun night, uh, and I really enjoyed what we saw there. 
Uh, you mentioned the global draft a bit there as well. Uh, that took place earlier in the day. Hard to really, uh, I, I don't have a lot of takes, to, uh, I'll admit, on the global draft and a lot of these guys. You know, as little as I personally know about the Canadian prospects, I know even less a, a, about a lot of the guys in the global draft. Um, but it's interesting because very kicker and punter heavy. As you yep. mentioned, uh, I think it was a three round draft. And I want to say there were 10 kickers, 10 punters taken in, in this three yeah, nine, round draft. Ten. Yeah, 10. Yeah. So uh, what do you make of this? Do you, do you think this is just that's the best that that is truly the best talent uh, globally available is at that position? Do you think it's. You know, a lot of different styles of football, but kicking is kicking type of thing that weighs into it. Or do you think there's maybe even a little bit of, uh, well, we got to have a global player on the roster, so here's a potential spot we can put him type of thing. I, I think we're sitting at that same thing when where the NFL looks at Canadians and CFL players. They don't quite truly give them maybe the respect they deserve, but we're seeing it more and more now with the NFL and Canadian players getting in there. And I think that's what this is. I can't remember the number though, but I also feel like a fair bit of the players that were drafted in this were also going through the NFL international program. So I do think that these guys do have their talent and they do, they will get looks from either side of the border here. Um, I don't know. I understand the whole CFL 2.0 thing because I think we're very tapped out and expanding in Canada. Like we were talking about a couple episodes ago, how many teams could we realistically get in Canada? And we're anywhere between one to two, maybe three, right? So after that, where do you go? We're not going to America probably unless, unless like Adam suggested, I think North Dakota or something, but we're not going to LA and New York. So where do we go? And I guess trying to get the, these guys from over, uh, overseas here could could, re- could generate revenue there, but I don't I don't know. I, that's one of the things that I toss back on, and I'm sure we could spend another hour on. But I don't know what the CFL's real plan is after they establish uh, ten teams in Canada. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting uh, that that you mentioned that. Uh, and, you know, that's a, a we didn't kind of plan this topic ahead of time, but one of the things that came that came up this week is uh, the the BC Lions new president uh, was on the on, on the Mark cast this past week and uh, uh, may have accidentally let it slip on there that the uh, the 10th team the Atlantic Scooters is uh, going to be here sooner than we thought potentially joining the league as early as next season uh, are you surprised that things are maybe a, a bit ahead of schedule here or is this not surprising at all, given the transparency of the, the CFL on things going on. It's it's a little bit of everything, because it's not surprising. I'm surprised how long it took from their initial announcement whenever Rosie had that big thing that it's coming. And I understand global pandemic, you know, more important things to worry about than a 10th football team. But I'm surprised it took this long. But then I'm also surprised how quick it seems to be coming back because it seems like nobody seems like a hot potato thing out there where we're going to put this team. No, you take it. No, you take it. But we all want it. Well, you know, so I'm really interested to see what this Atlantic uh, Atlantic series is this year. You know, we were we all know it's sold out. I'm curious how big it'll get, you know, go from there. I would love to see him next year. I think that that's a little too soon. I think that's a little unfair to tell teams, you know, oh, we're having an expansion draft next year. I think you'd have to give them until at least 24. But, you know, 
even then, that's pretty exciting and no more first week buys. Yeah, and you have to wonder, you know, drawing this back to the draft uh, as, as you know, uh, if we get a 10th team next year, there's going to be some sort of expansion draft potentially. A lot of these guys picked here in this draft, you know, either A, that opens up some spots on their current rosters for them, or B, they potentially have a, a spot to go uh, in uh, in the Atlantic region there. Uh, excited to see uh, the 10th team. I wonder if it plays into the CBA. I wonder if there's something in it with that, because that also creates fifty, roughly 50 new jobs, right, which is, and, and everything, so you know that maybe that's why they're holding off on an announcement and maybe trying to figure that out because and maybe it'd be one of those things where the league maybe has control of the team like they did in you know Montreal for a bit you know things like that so maybe the players have some greater interest in what's going on over there yeah that uh perfectly segues us into our next topic here uh is the uh, the CFL CBA is still not negotiated we're, uh, we're just uh, a couple days away from training camps starting here for the CFL. I think rookie camps start next week. Training camp's supposed to start the week after. And I think the CBA expires the day before regular camp begins, if I'm understanding yeah. correctly. Um, and we uh, no CBA means no football out on the field, which sucks. Um, I don't know. We're in this stupid holding pattern here again where... It's coming down to the wire. We don't know how close they are, how close they aren't. The The players have been going through the uh, the motions of it. They had a strike vote. I think they voted 95% in favor of a potential strike, which, yeah, as a fan, you don't like to see that, certainly. But uh, you also, on one hand, kind of respect it from the players who I would argue have gotten a bit of a raw deal in recent CBA negotiations to uh, you know be, be solidified enough right now to go and all say yeah we're gonna stand strong until we get a deal in place uh what do you make of everything going on there you know i i'm also a big mlb fan right and they were saying that they're miles apart and then next thing you know oh we're having games next week basically it was you know it, it was there's nothing worse than the relationship between the mlb and the mlpa so i'm pretty sure the cfl's in good hands you are right the players get a raw deal but you also got to know what it is none of the teams make heck of a lot of money so it's kind of hard to say how to give them more money like i think the players are, the players should be invited in the table on how to make more money but there currently is no more money to really give them if we're struggling i think what's like three or four teams maybe get a positive amount of money every year so how are we giving these guys more money like i understand some of the owners got deep pockets and it's not really about making money but still it's i don't know you got to know what it is. It's not like you're fighting over millions of dollars like they were in baseball and in hockey and, and uh, the other leagues. It's You're fighting over relatively pennies at times. And I know it's important. I just think that they're – I think it's going to just be one of those things the day of – the day, like you said, whenever it expires, they're going to have a, oh, we signed it. It's good, you know. you know, And then we're going to look at it and nothing really is going to be overly different. Maybe a couple minor – incentives here incentives there but it's going to be the same old same old i think i saw was it uh, somebody from tsn said the big holdup seems to be that they want a 10 year like the league wants a 10 year thing and i think that's what the players are hung up on i don't think they want to get locked into a 10 year contract i think they want to do something a little bit smaller see how the world's recovering from uh covid and the pandemic and then do another maybe long one after that i think that's what the holdup seems to be 
Yeah, uh, it was actually Sportsnet's Arash Madani uh, who uh, say, saying on Twitter earlier today, per sources, the CFL today made a new CBA proposal to the CFLPA, one of the many back and forths, which is normal, you know, proposals different ways. Uh, I'm told the league wants to lock the players into a 10-year agreement, which if you're going to lock in for a 10-year agreement, that better be a darn good, fair 10-year agreement and have plans in there for you know, if you're doing this and thinking, yeah, we're going to keep growing the CFL, okay, there better be something in the plans there that is going to entice the players to want to, you know, be part of that growth of the CFL over the next right. 10 years, right? You can't lock them into this deal for 10 years at the, at the current state of things and, uh, and then go and say, uh, yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. And like the players aren't going to agree to that unless there's some sort of thing in there where, you know, progressively over time as the league grows, okay, we're going to get more revenue out of this potentially or, uh, you know, other perks uh, as this goes along. So I don't think that's going to be the deal that gets it done here for the CFL. I think there's going to be a lot of back and forth. And like you said, probably we see a bit of a shorter deal here. Uh, and who knows how long it will take uh, to get the deal done. I hope we see it on time. T generally seems like that ends up being the case. You know, you have to wonder for a lot of these players who the, the CFL, uh, unlike the NFL, you can play a season there and be set for years, right? With your contracts, like these players are, are playing to put bread on the table, so to say, right? So for a lot of these guys, how long are you willing to actually sit out here before the before things start. And, and I think the CFL knows that, right, is part of it, of why it's so tough to get the deal done, because the CFL feels they're going to cave at the last minute. That's truly what I feel like here. Yeah. We got to look at it, too. Do you think the CFL can handle missing two out of the last three years? Like, you know, again, you're right. It's not the NFL. They're not sitting on billions of dollars of trademarks and money, you know, stockpiles of money and video games and that the CFL misses another year and especially to something like a lockout. Like I think, I think the, they might miss the day of training camp, but I don't think they're going to miss any preseason or regular season games. It's, you know, it'll be, we're going to sit out the first day and you're going to have a Rosh tweeting on, you know, all day about how awful it is. And then it's going to be a <laughs> oh, field signed, you know, and then we're going to have football and we are able to go down to the field and watch training camp. And then it's going to be like, nothing happened, right? Yeah. Is the deal's and, there. Yeah. And, for three, and, and, four years. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what the what the details of the deal are, right? Because you have two sides that want very different things. And, you know, you got that back and forth negotiation. What is the sticking point for the players? What is the sticking point for the league? What are they able to compromise on? Uh, the CBA watch continues as we get closer to uh, the CFL season here. And uh Sincerely hope it gets done on time and we can uh, see uh, a lot of the players we saw picked in last night's draft and all the players currently on their teams uh, hit the field uh, with with this all behind them. And uh, I hope they get a fair deal out of it as well, one that makes sense for them. The biggest sticking point for me, and I know this is a sticking point in the, in the contract negotiations, is the guaranteed contracts of it all, right? Like, it's really hard for a player to go and commit to a team for a long-term deal when the team doesn't necessarily commit to the player in the same way. Yeah, I was thinking about ways around that because I don't think that the CFL could do the NHL route or MLB route where contracts are 100% guaranteed because 
you're you're not getting rid of players you're not you know you're gonna have a lot of dead space on your roster in a few years that's why football you generally see not a lot of guaranteed contracts right even in the nfl but you got to do something i think you got to do something or at least guarantee you know the first couple years of a, you know if they want to start having five six seven year deals you know guarantee the first half or first you know couple of years and then extend something to get these guys wanting to stay because again we, we all know it, you can't get a name on your jersey like that's the most you know um the worst part about being a cfl fan on a daily basis you don't know who your roster is sometimes you know before starting this podcast sometimes i wouldn't even look at you know who the, what the roster is because it's going to change a thousand times before our opening day right so there's no point in looking at these like and that's why sometimes these drafts and free agencies like Oh yeah, let's get all excited. But what happened to the Bombers first round draft pick from the other year, right? He went to the USFL and now he's a free agent because he can't, you know, stupid things like that seem to always happen. So they got to really start locking down their players and having the hype because, you know, on NFL draft day, you know, you're getting that guy for four to five years. You know it. Like, no, no questions about it unless they trade him, I guess. But you know what I mean? You, you got him. He's not going anywhere. And I'd love to see that in the CFL. Yeah, that's a, a very interesting point that uh, we talked about all of these guys and the impacts they might make on their teams that we saw picked in the draft. They may only play for their team a year or two, have a good season, maybe not as good of a season, and then sign elsewhere, right? So it's uh, it's very interesting, whereas a lot of the times, say the NHL, for example, you see, okay, this guy was drafted in the first round of the draft. Okay, he's going to play 10 years here with the same team. Yeah, a lot of times that's not going to be the case necessarily in the CFL. So a lot of those guys can change teams. And uh, we'll see if those guaranteed contracts uh, make their way into the new CBA negotiations. Uh, Well, you mentioned the USFL there a little bit. Uh, That's kind of our final planned topic for this episode of the podcast. Have you had a chance at all yet, Trey, to to check out some of the USFL happenings? I'm going to be completely honest. The only uh, only information I get on it is from our friend at the MarkCast on his Twitter account. I have not had a chance to watch any of it. I see the scores a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm more excited for the XFL. I don't know why. I think it's the Rock and Garcia dynamic. I'm really interested with that. So this, I think, I, you know, I'm a football fan. I'm down for all football. I just got, you know, three kids in a busy life. I can't always watch uh, whatever minor league football program this is. Yeah, that's that's fair, uh, most definitely. Uh, I checked out uh, a couple of games on the first weekend of the, of the USFL. Uh, I have not had the chance since then to check many out myself as well. Part of the reason is uh, I have it on my cable package, but... Uh, the, the online on-the-go version of my cable package doesn't seem to have the channel, the only the actual like TV cable version. So uh, if I'm not able to get in front of the TV or if I'm doing something on my computer, I'm not able to watch it, unfortunately. But I got to say, I did check out the first weekend of games. Uh, famously, not a, not a big four-down football guy. I'm not hugely into the NFL myself. I actually kind of liked what I saw from the, from the USFL in that opening weekend it and maybe it was something about getting in on the ground floor of it you know trying to get into the nfl as a guy who's never really been into it there's 32 teams it's this massive league you know it's kind of what direction do i go here you know all of these uh, all of these parts this is a new league and, and much the same as the cfl 
these guys are not making a lot of money at all. Like I, I think some of them might even be making less in the NFL, in the uh, USFL than they do here in the CFL. And uh, so something about that, you know, guys actually playing for their jobs here uh, feels a little bit rootable for me. And it was a fast, fun weekend of games. There was a bit of CFL. Uh, there is a bit of CFL representation. You know, uh, Montreal Alouettes backup quarterback last season, Shea Patterson, uh, was the first overall pick in the USFL draft. Uh, you know, I got to see him play there a little bit. Tried to lead a comeback, fell a bit short there. But opening weekend had some fast games, had some good games. It was sloppy. It was sloppy football, but it was kind of entertaining sloppy football, you know. I, I, I kind of like a game here and there where, uh, where you know, it, it's sloppy, but you can tell the guys are out on the field uh, putting in their best effort to uh, and playing for, for some sort of career, whether that's, you know, a long USFL career, whether that leads to them coming back to coming to the CFL, whether that leads to a shot in the NFL. Uh, more football, more opportunities for guys to make a living for themselves playing the sport they love. Uh, can't can't deny that uh, in any way. No, I agree with you. Like, I think there's a big market for these spring leagues. I know a lot of people seem down on them, but you know, I think that I think the early XFL was a gong show, and I think that's why it went off the rails. But then when uh, what was it? Are you. Uh, the AF tried coming in right before COVID, you know, a couple things tried coming, XFL tried coming in. And then again, global pandemic, like, you know, you can't plan for that. I think that spring football, like we're in the midst of NHL playoffs and NBA playoffs and baseball. And what's still the number one talked about thing, football. It's always going to be football, especially in the States. So the more football you have, I just think what I couldn't get behind either. And I think it's only for this year, but like, they all play in one town or city, right? And, and but they're all city named. I'm like, as a fan, do I really want to cheer for the whatever Michigan Panthers if they're pl- never playing? Like I can never actually watch them play. And I know that's just a probably one or two year deal, but I hope it. I hope it kicks off. You know, like like you said, you this is a definitely a good place for uh, the CFL will always, I think, always be number two unless something like the XFL really gets cozy with the NFL. But until then, you know, it's always good for places like the USFL, uh, the fan control, those dome leagues. They're always going to be, you know, guys need jobs. And, you know, and they sometimes there's only so many places on practice rosters. And you'd rather be playing this kind of football than just sitting at home, you know, if you were waiting for a call from some GM in the NFL. Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned uh, the one city thing. I think it's Birmingham is where the uh, all the games are being played now. So I did not know that going in right and i think a lot of people didn't know that going in so you know first game pretty good crowd there at the first game because birmingham's team did play uh in that game uh and but then the next game after that uh, first of all opening weekend all in one stadium no roof on the stadium massive rain delay kind of took the took the wind out of the sails there a little bit and uh, not much of a crowd because, again, it's all in the same city. So the two teams that were playing, you know, not a whole lot of people there. I had a lot of people kind of concerned. I did see people mocking it a little on, on social media for the lack of crowd there. But what do you expect when it's all in one city? And I think it's not a bad model necessarily for the, the league to do of, you know, let's get a year behind us. Let's show what the football is going to be like. Let's play it all in one city. Keep the costs low. 
let's get fans on board. Let's get those merchandise sales, the sponsorship deals, et cetera, et cetera. Refine the craft and then we'll move over to play in the different cities. I think that's a great model for for a new league to do uh, there and show what they're capable of. And uh, so there's been some up and downs. You've seen the, I don't know if you've seen on social media, uh, a player who, uh, what did he get cut for? What He was ordering a pizza instead of a chicken salad or something like that. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, there was that. And then there was also, uh, but then there was another player that I think was smoking a cigar or had a fake cigar or something mid-practice. Look, it's entertainment. Football you know, football is a sport, but football is entertainment at the same time. And sports are entertainment. And I, I will always take more entertainment. So, uh, you know, definitely still prefer the CFL. And I love the Canadian three-down game. But uh, I got to say, uh, more impressed by the USFL than I expected to be coming in. And uh, looking forward to seeing where things go with that league. Oh, yeah. I, I never understood the mindset where it has to be one or the other, you know, just football is football. And yeah, we, we have a unique brand of it up here. That's our own. But, you know, people say that about hockey, that they like the bigger ice in Europe or they like the smaller ice here. It doesn't make one really, you know, better, or not better than the other. Football's football to me. And the more we can get of it and like, you know, we're looking at all these guys getting drafted. They might not stick here, but something like the USFL or XFL might be another shot for them to go to one day come back here or to one day jump to the, to the big league. So more places, I'm not going to take down more places, especially more places in America or, or North America. You know, I really don't know what the, I really don't know the football landscape of Europe and stuff. So I would rather build the empire here where football is King, you know, really not much beats football uh, in uh, North America. Well said there. Uh, I think that does it for our topics for this episode of the podcast. Anything else you want to bring up or should we get into the wrap up here? Ah, no, I'm pretty good. If you're going to watch the Kentucky Derby this week, I'm pretty excited for that. I'm a horse guy. Uh, you know, always my little spiel here. If you go to a website called hpibet.com, it's like the major website to bet on horse racing. So if you bet on a track anywhere in the world, you have Churchill, you have whatever you want. You have Cinnaboya Downs here. But a little bit of that percentage of the money you bet goes to your local track. So that's the plus side. So if you're in Winnipeg like me and I bet on Churchill, a little percentage goes helps the Cinnaboya Downs. And so the same with everywhere else. Uh, if you're out in the Maritimes, they'll go to their local tracks and such. So even though you're going to watch the big race on Saturday, uh, make sure you put a little money on it because it does help your local tracks out. And I'm going to go with Epicenter, if anyone cares. Epicenter number three. Uh, I'm not a big thoroughbred guy. I like the harness racing a little better, but I just like how that horse finished. So that's my little spiel about horse racing. Right on. Uh, I look forward to the horse racing uh, updates uh, every week here at the end of the podcast. Uh, of course, you know, as we get into summer, it gets into uh, the prime horse racing season here as well, right? Uh, I know you're going to be busy with a lot of that stuff as well. Uh, before I do the final wrap up here, uh, where can people find you on social media if they, uh, right. they want to check all that out? Right. I'm at Trey MB Harness, Trey, T-R-E-Y-M-B Harness. Uh, like Adam says, if you ever want to talk football, you can throw it at me. I want to talk horses. I'll talk horses. Uh, I I want to say I win a fa- I win enough, but not, you know, I'm not living in the penthouse. So, but I always <laughs> decent, uh, decent ear to the ground on uh, who the favorites are and who the good bets are. So check me out there. 
Right on. And of course, you can uh, you can find Adam on Twitter, as he mentioned earlier, at Adam Stewart one. Uh, we should hopefully have him back again next week as well. You can find uh, Mike, who wasn't able to join us today uh, on Twitter at Mike Garrell. You can find me on Twitter at Cooper Trooper 42. I really don't tweet a whole lot, but you can follow me anyways if you would like to do so. You can find us on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. That's where you'll find me doing most of my tweeting. Uh, tweeted out uh, live tweet the CFL draft last night. That was fun. Uh, and of course, you can catch the all the new podcast episodes there as well. You can find us on Facebook, also the Canadian Football Countdown there. Uh, check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well at CF Pod Network on Twitter for all of those. Uh, next week, we're going to start getting into our season preview content. Uh, the CFL uh, regular season is slated to kick off uh, a month from Monday, uh, assuming the CBA gets negotiated. Uh, so we're going to have a ton of CFL preview content. We're going to start with our divisional previews next week and break down the teams in the East Division, make our picks for who we see uh, going far out East. So look forward to that. Uh, you can find it on your favorite podcast platform, wherever you're listening to this one and uh, whatever platform you are listening on, we always appreciate it. If you do all the fun things such as like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, and share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. And uh, on behalf of uh, Adam Stewart, Trey Colbeck, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.